You know, your mistakes don't define you, even when they feel like they'll be with you forever. You don't have to hold on to your past. So step into your future that God has for you during today's podcast called The Grudge, starting now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills. I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and we are so thankful that you are listening to us today Uh, because we've been in this series called The Grudge, and so if you're just joining us, we're going to wrap it up today. Um, But if you've missed the last three weeks, uh, I encourage you to go back and start from the beginning. Uh, Man, um, it's been a a great message. We've received a lot of uh, good comments, um, a lot of uh, people saying they uh, have gotten a lot out of it. It's meant a lot to them and helped them process uh, their grudges. And so I would love for you to, to do that. But if you don't have time right now, that's okay. And if you just want to listen to this podcast, you'll be okay. You're, you're not going to miss out on anything uh, per se as far as understanding what's going on today, if that makes sense. All right. So uh, we're so glad, again, that you are joining us. Uh, I just want to kind of recap where we've been uh, and so maybe you can make some of those decisions. Um, week number one, we talked about how do we overcome the smaller offenses that weigh us down or hold us back. Uh, the second week, we talked about the bigger betrayals when, when somebody lies to us or, or lies about us or deceives us in a significant way. And how do we forgive that? And last week, we talked about forgiving God. Now, technically, we know that God never sins. And so we can't really technically forgive him, but there are a lot of people that hold a grudge against God. And so how do we reconcile with God and make things right? Okay. Um, love for you guys to go back and check those podcasts out. But today uh, I want to talk about forgiving the person that may be the most difficult to forgive. And that is forgiving yourself. How do you forgive yourself when you've let yourself down or let God down? or hurt somebody that, that you love. When you think about it, this can be so difficult because we know what we did that we shouldn't have done, and we wish that we could undo, right? We, we know the words that we said that we, we didn't really mean. Maybe we kind of meant it at the time, but we didn't. It's not really in our heart, and we said it, and now we, we, we know we really hurt somebody. We, we know that we think about things when nobody else is around and we carry the shame and we carry this guilt. And so how can I forgive myself after what I did or after who I am in this particular situation? You see, this was a real issue for me, especially as a new Christian. Uh, when I was younger, around the ages of 18 to 23, I did a lot of things that hurt a lot of people and the guilt and the shame of the things that I did, the people that I hurt, it weighed heavily on, uh, heavily on me. Okay. And, and when I became a follower of Christ, I, I started to understand the forgiveness uh, of Jesus. But at the time I felt like he forgives me, but, but I couldn't forgive myself. Maybe Jesus has forgiven me, but how do I forgive myself? Okay. And I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you, you drank too much one night and you did something you can't undo, or you said something you can't unsay. 
maybe it was years ago when you were teens or early 20s like I was and, and you felt cornered in a, in a very desperate situation and you made what you thought was the right decision at the time, but you've regretted it ever since, you know? Maybe in loving your family, you did what you thought was best. You, you poured yourself into work. I'm going to be a good provider. I'm going to be successful for my family. And the, and the years went by, and suddenly you're disconnected with your kids, and you think, what did I do? You know, why did I do that? You know, the whole time this most important thing was right in front of me, and yet I just poured my life into something else. I can't get over that guilt that I neglected my family. Maybe you found yourself in a really odd spot in your marriage, and instead of stepping into your marriage, you, you stepped out of your marriage, and you did something uh, betrayed your spouse and you just can't get over the guilt that you feel. You know, maybe it's the clicking, you know, cl clicking through the internet, looking at things you know you shouldn't look at and you really do love God. And if you're married, you, you really do love your spouse, but you just keep going back again and again. And the shame and guilt is just overwhelming. So what do you do when what you did haunts you, when the guilt just simply won't go away? And that's what I've, well, that's why I've called this this podcast today, why I can't forgive myself. Okay, what do you do with the guilt? I want to start today by acknowledging something that I think is very important: that that not all guilt is created equal. Okay, let me say that again: not all guilt is created equal. Some of you are living under the that what we might call a false guilt. Okay, in other words, you're feeling guilty for something you shouldn't feel guilty about. And I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you were a kid or a teenager and your parents divorced and you feel like somehow in some way that that was your fault. I should have done something. It's, it's my fault they divorced. Well, let me share with you. That's not your fault. Okay. That is a false guilt. Tragically, I, I come across many people that, that were victims of someone who abused them, uh, abused their power, okay? There might be those of you that, that someone that you trust and love took advantage of you, and maybe physically or emotionally, in some way they abused you. And so often it's so tragic and so sad, but the victim often feels a shame. Uh, and in some way they feel like they must have done something wrong. In, in some way it's their fault. Well, again, I'm here to share with you, it was not your fault, don't buy into the devil's game of shaming you with this false guilt, okay? False guilt is always dangerous. It's always non-productive. It's, it's not from God, and, and we need to let, let that go, okay? It, it's a false guilt. Not all guilt is created equal, there, there, and there's another type of guilt, and this guilt can actually be a gift when you let it draw you closer to God, okay? The right type of guilt can actually be a gift when it draws you into the presence of God. Uh, in fact, I, I want to read 2 Corinthians 7.10 uh, to you because it tells us uh, exactly this. Okay, listen to what it says. Godly sorrow or guilt okay, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow, Scripture says, brings repentance. A sorrow that says, I wish I hadn't done that. That wasn't the right thing. I dishonored God. I hurt somebody. I would give anything not to ever do that again. That brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leads to no regret. Okay, it leaves no regret. A godly sorrow leads to repentance. But there's another type of guilt or sorrow. That's a worldly sorrow. And the worldly sorrow brings death. So let's talk about the godly sorrow, okay? This is a feeling of conviction. Oh my gosh, I did something that's not right. You know, I'm so sorry. This type of conviction it can actually be good and it can be helpful. 
because it can take you off of a wrong path and can put you on the right path. This is a godly sorrow that says, you know what? I just don't want to live that way anymore. I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to say what I said anymore. I want to change directions. I, I want to change my behavior. I want to apologize. I want to live in freedom. I want to express God's love and heal from what happened in the past. Okay, there's a big difference between a godly sorrow and, and, a, and a worldly sorrow. A good example of godly sorrow is Peter in the New Testament. Uh, many of you can probably relate to Peter. I know I can. Okay, Peter was a guy that had a lot of good qualities, and then he would just do stupid on steroids. Okay, how many of you can relate to that? Stupid on steroids. Okay, you're going the right direction. You're honoring God. You're doing good things. You're in the zone, and then one day, boom, dumber than dumb, dumb, dumb. Right? Where'd that come from? Well, that was Peter, and unfortunately, this can be us. Right? Peter's kind of bragging on himself, saying, Jesus, I'm your guy, man. He, he walks up to him. He gives him, you know, the hand. You know, the guy hand to hand, the bro hug. Ah, man, I wish I could show you what I'm talking about. But you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Guys just have this, you know, handshake and hug thing that just works. And, and, and Peter's like, hey, you know what? Everybody else is going to deny you, but not me. I've got your back. I'm, I'm in your corner. I've always been there for you. And if everybody else lets you down, uh, man, Jesus, I, I, if you need to go to battle, I, I'm with you. And if you want me, I'm in, I'm in your army. I will never let you down. And then Jesus kind of sees through his pride and sees his weakness. And, and Jesus actually prophecies. He says, hey, Peter, chill down a minute because before the rooster crows, you're actually going to deny me three times. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus gets arrested and a, and a little girl walks up and says, hey, weren't you that guy that was with Jesus? And Peter's like, Jesus, who? who, who I don't know what you're talking about. And then another woman comes up to him and says, hey, weren't you one of the disciples? Weren't, weren't you walking with Jesus, physically walking with Jesus? And, and Peter's like, what, me? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't, I wasn't there. I was, you know, I, I was at home doing crossbow puzzles or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and then we read scripture in scripture about a third person that confronts him. And that's what I want to read to you today. It's Luke 22, 59 through 62. Listen to what he says. About an hour later, another asserted, the third one, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Jesus is there and turns and looks straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter went outside and wept bitterly. A godly sorrow. I cannot believe I did what I did. I am so, so, so sorry. I was so stupid. It was stupid on steroids. Have you ever felt like that? In the middle of your best intentions, I'll never do that again. And then a short time later, you do it again. I truly love this person with all my heart. And then in a moment of anger, you say something you'll regret for years and years to come. You promise yourself that you'll always, and then you don't. Or you never, and you do. And then you wake up. I can't believe I did that. Why was I so stupid? How could God love someone like me that never gets it right, that always falls short, that hurts someone I love in such a significant way? The moment you're there, the devil has, has you exactly where he wants you. 
The moment you're dwelling in your shame, your spiritual enemy has you in a corner because shame is the devil's playground. Shame is where he wants you. There's a big difference between a godly sorrow, a guilt and a shame that personalizes a behavior. Okay, What does, what does guilt say? Well, guilt says, I did something bad. Okay, I did something that was that's wrong, but it's 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 a separate act. It's it's forgivable. It is forgivable. Guilt said I did something bad, but shame says I am bad. I am a bad person. And what the devil does is he tries to use your action to connect it with your identity to create a sense of shame. From this moment forward, the devil wants you to believe you are pathetic, that you are worthless, you are useless. God will never use you again after what you thought, after what you said. You'll never be happy. You'll never be blessed. You'll never measure up. You'll never have a real ministry. You'll never have a great marriage. Your kids are never going to honor you. You're never going to have a great legacy. You're always going to be marked by the thing that you did because you, ha- you are bad. You know, the pain you're experiencing, that's just, that's just payment for your past. You deserve that. The moment you start dwelling in shame, your spiritual enemy has you exactly where he wants you. You can almost imagine what the devil would have been telling Peter about this time, right? Peter, you blew it big time. Jesus trusted you. Out of all the people in the world, Jesus selected you to be one of his disciples, and then you went off bragging about how great you were. You'd be there for him, and then you'd let him down, and then you betrayed him. You fell short. And just to top it off, Jesus saw you do it. He looked looked you right in the eye. And guess what, Peter? All the disciples are going to know about it now. You're never going to have any credibility again. Your your life is over. Your integrity is shot. Your ministry is ruined. You should be so ashamed of yourself. You see, shame is the devil's playground. So what does your spiritual, spiritual enemy want to do? Okay, well, the devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. Okay, let me say that one again. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You're you're not good enough for God. You'll never measure up. And after what you did, after the way you think, after the way you behave, after what you said, God can never really love you, okay? The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God, but God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace. Okay, let me say that again. God wants to use your guilt to draw you to his grace, you know? You'll, You'll say, I don't want that anymore. I have a safe place to turn. I have a God who loves me, a God who still cares about me, a God who receives me. His mercies are new every single morning, every single day. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You'll never be successful. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never have anything significant or meaningful in your life. But our God is goodness. He wants to use a godly sorrow, a healthy guilt to draw you to his grace. So you receive his mercy and you're free to do his will. Think about this. It's very similar to comparing what Peter did and what Judas did. They essentially did the same thing. Now, if you don't know Judas's story, just like Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. Well, Judas betrayed him one time for 30 pieces of silver. And instead of having a godly sorrow, Judas had what many of us have. In his shame, he had a worldly sorrow. You know, I'm so busted. My life is over. I got caught. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. I could never face anyone again. So what did Judas do? In his shame, he separated himself from God. And later, he took his own life. Shame is the devil's playground. Then there was Peter, who essentially did something very similar to Judas, but instead he had a godly sorrow. 
I'm so sad that I did this. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And godly sorrow leads to repentance. The key word is repentance. What is repentance? Well, repentance is simply changing directions, okay? The, the word re means to turn. And, and pent, you can kind of look at it this way, like a, like a penthouse. It's turning away from a lower way, okay, to turning to a higher and better way, okay? It, it's simply turning. God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to ever live like that again. I don't want to talk like that again. I, I don't want to treat someone like that again. I want to live in your ways. I want to find freedom. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a voice of hope. Okay? It's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. I acknowledge that I sinned. God, I am so sorry. I'm not making any excuses for what I did or what I didn't do. It's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Jesus went on to give his life. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. The one who is perfect became sin for us on a cross. He died in our place and the world went dark. And three days later, when some women went to the tomb to check on things, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. The Son of God, Jesus, was not there because God had raised him from the dead so that we can be forgiven, so we can experience his grace. In John's Gospel, chapter 21, you, you can read this powerful story later, but Jesus shows, us, shows up to Peter, uh, the one who failed three times and denied Jesus in front of Jesus' own eyes. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, yes, I love you. I did love you. I do love you. I just did something stupid, Jesus. Isn't that the way it is sometimes? You know, with us, like, you know, yes, I love you. Yes, I want to do what's right. Yes, I messed up. I don't know why, but I, I just did. And yes, I, I still love you. Let me tell you what Jesus did not say, okay? He didn't say, I told you you were going to do it, you know? He didn't say that. He didn't say, I want, to, I want you to dwell on your past, go sit in the corner with your nose in the corner, and think about what you did. You're in a spiritual timeout, okay? He didn't say that. He didn't do that, okay? He also didn't say, you need to wallow in your sin for a while. You need to drown in your guilt because you now are going to hell where the worms never die and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He didn't do that. Listen to the power and love of Jesus. He says, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you, you know I do, Peter said. And I can imagine Jesus turning or, or looking at him at that point and just smiling and saying, then feed my sheep. In other words, then do my will. Show my love. You know, finish your assignment. Do you love me? Yes, I do. Then you're forgiven. Go do what I created you to do. Let me tell you what Peter didn't do. Peter didn't say, I just can't receive your grace. I'll never get over it. I didn't deserve it. Uh, Jesus, your grace may be good enough for John and the rest of the disciples, but your grace isn't enough for me. Peter didn't do that. But that's exactly what many of us do. You can't really forgive me. I deserve to live in shame for the rest of my life. No. He acknowledged his sin. He apologized. He repented. And he received the forgiveness of Jesus. I don't know what you're holding. Something you didn't do years ago that you should have done. Something that you did that still weighs on you. Something maybe you said. Something in a moment of stupidity. If you've confessed that to Jesus... It is forgiven, and it's time for you to let it go, okay, to let it go. 
Now, I'm not going to break out into the Disney song, you know, because I can't sing of the Let It Go song, okay? I'm just not going to do that. In fact, if if I could never hear that song again, I'd probably be okay with that, but <laughs> but I'll preach it in a sermon, okay, or in a in a podcast message, right? Because let it go, you know? Let it go. God's words actually say this in, in 1 John 1, 9. Listen to this. This is so, so powerful. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Let it go. Let it go. If you've taken it before God, Jesus has it covered. God doesn't hold it against you. He has forgotten your sin. You're free. Don't let the pain of the past rob you from God's calling for your future, okay? Let it go. The, neg- the, the neglect, the, the lies, the words that you said, the thoughts that you had, let it go. Because you need to acknowledge the truth that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you will it or how much you want it, you've got to understand something. You cannot change your past but God can change your future. Let me say that again. You cannot change your past, but God can change your future. So let it go. Anytime the devil brings up your past, just remind yourself he's bringing up your past because he's intimidated by your future. Because God's hand is still on you. His grace is still in you. His power still works through you. Just remind yourself your enemy's trying to talk you out of God's potential for your life. Think about Peter. Who did God choose to be the guest speaker at Pentecost when God poured out his spirit? God chose Peter. And what was Peter's message? It was very simply and unbelievably powerful. Peter said, repent of your sins. Just turn away from it. Call on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. You will be forgiven. Think about who God chose to do his will, to preach his truth, to lead people to grace. He didn't choose the one who was perfect. He chose the one who was forgiven. He didn't choose the one who was always faithful. He chose the one who experienced grace. If you've been forgiven of much, guess what? You can love so much more. So do you love him? Then feed his sheep. Do his will. You are not what you did. That's something that you did. That's not who you are. The devil wants you to connect action to identity. You did something bad, and so the devil wants you to think you'll always be someone bad. But Jesus makes all things new. It's what I did, not who I am, because I am a child of God. He is still writing my story, and he's still writing your story. And the reason I know this is because I am confident. I am confident because of what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 1.6, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Whatever it is, The weight, the guilt, the shame, take it to the one who died for you. Confess it, turn from it, and find freedom. Let it go. Hey, that concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I hope you'll uh, join us next week as we begin a new series called The Gift. And we're going to be celebrating Christmas. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.